today is the last, I think, part of signs. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't every one of my sermon series ain't 25 weeks now, y'all. Like last year. You know what's a blessing? God is speaking this word across the nation. A friend of mine who pastors an unbelievable church in Atlanta, Georgia, area called Worship with Wonders Church, Miles Rutherford. He messaged me one day. He said, I need to call you, man. So he called me. He said, hey, I've been, this, this is what he told me. He said, for the last part of 2019, God had me driving around taking pictures of road signs. I was getting ready to preach a brand new series at my church called Signs. And I get on Instagram and there you are preaching it. I said, that's all right, brother. You can still preach it. So God said, we began to talk about how God was speaking to him about his time to tell the church to see the signs. So ain't that awesome? We didn't know we were both going to preach that. Last night I talked to my bishop. My bishop said, you've been preaching on signs, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, let me tell you, guess what I'm going to be preaching on tomorrow? I said, what? His name of his sermon was, where are you really going? And he said, to illustrate it, I'm going to be using signs. Come on, somebody. So to, that tells me, that's just two men of God. That tells me that God's trying to tell us to open our eyes so that we can see where we're going. The church needs to get some direction. The way some churches are going is in the wrong direction. The way a lot of Christians are going is in the wrong direction. Am I preaching right already? So I'm going to close it out today. Some of y'all going to be scared when I tell you this. With three signs. Y'all be like, my God, you preached an hour the last three weeks on, on one side. You going to preach on three signs? Yep. The first sign, put it up there. Put it up. There it is. Somebody say it out loud. Do not enter. Mm. Well, John 14, chapter 1 says this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Now watch this. That where I am, there you may be also. Somebody say where he is. Say it again, where he is. Let me tell you where he is, is where we're going. That is our destination. That is our believer's ultimate destination. Not a bigger church, not a bigger ministry, but to be with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's trying to tell his disciples, you need to understand something about the kingdom. I have a destination for you. And I'm going to get it ready. And I'm going to leave you here. But what I need you to do is get on the road that I put you on. Do what I tell you to do. Do not enter. If I tell you not to go that way, don't go that way. Just go where I tell you to go. Do what I tell you to do. Be obedient to my word. And you're going to make it to your destination. Oh, I ain't through preaching. He says, where I go now, he says, there you will be also. Verse 4. And where I go, you know. And the way, somebody said the way, you know. Now watch this. Thomas, he gets a bad rap, y'all. He's known as Doubting Thomas, but that shouldn't be what he's known as. He was a great man of faith. He just simply did what all of us would have done, to be honest with you. He just simply said, you know what? I need more proof than just somebody telling me. I saw him die. Most of you don't be whole. I'll be like the rest. I'll be like, I'll be like, whoo. They didn't even believe either. 
They just had the pleasure of seeing him first before Thomas did. But Thomas said, let me see the, the thorns. Um, let me see the, the wounds in your hands and your feet and your side. Jesus wasn't afraid to let him touch him. But Thomas, because of that, got named Doubting Thomas. But he's, he's, his legacy should not be Doubting Thomas. Should be Pastor Thomas because he planted churches all over Africa and many other places. Watch this. Thomas said to them, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? He just simply said what every other disciple was thinking. What are you talking about, Jesus? You're going to leave us, go away, but you. And that's going to be our ultimate destination. You tried to tell us we already know the way. Listen, I know you got a lot of confidence in us, but I'm being real with you right now. I don't know what you're talking about. So Thomas was just bold enough to speak and say, okay, okay, we don't know the way. And the most, one of the most famous scriptures that we quote all the time, but we don't like, we don't like to study scripture in context. We understand when Jesus in verse six said, Jesus said to him, to who? To him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Do you understand? I'm thankful that I have a God. This, this right here is a clarion call that has been spoken by thousands upon thousands upon millions of people and preachers all over the world that Jesus is the only way. But what we forgot is that this was a personal statement by Jesus to an individual. Now, we have taken it, and rightfully so, for all of us. But he was talking to Thomas. In other words, he said, Thomas, you know why I'm saying this to you? I'm thankful. Some of y'all going to get this in a minute. All these men in the room that's so full of themselves, you're the only man enough that was confident enough in his manhood to ask for directions. Oh, some of y'all got that. Huh? He's the only one that asks for directions. Everybody else said, okay, we got this. We'll figure it out. You know, inside of them, there, I got no idea, but I ain't about to let these other guys know that I don't know how to get there. Isn't it interesting that without Jesus, we are known as lost? We're lost. We're driving around trying to make everybody else around us in our car think we know what we're, where we're going. And we keep hearing people say, I'm not trying to be rude, uh, Pastor Larry, but uh, have we not already passed that same Walmart 10 times? Thomas said, listen, I want to go there. We all want to go there, but I'm just being honest with you. I need directions. Are y'all hearing me, church? Is this good preaching? And Jesus didn't look at him and say, like, like we think this is the kind of God we serve. Well, God, we think we serve this God that just throws us into the fire and just says, figure it out. But when we ask, the Bible says, call unto the Lord, and he will answer thee. Draw nigh, and I will draw nigh unto thee. Sow, and you will reap. He says, look, if you'll just ask, you have not because you have asked not. He said, I just need you to ask for directions. He says, Here's the only direction you need to know because the world is going to try to make you detour into Buddhism. Going to make Islam look really attractive. Oh, go ahead, Facebook. Kick me off. I'm sure. Atheists, all this kind of stuff. Evolutionary thinking, trying to make say that that doesn't line up with the word of God, blah, blah, blah. And they're trying to entice you with all kinds of detours. And Jesus just simply said, I'm going to make it simple for you. Just follow me. Just go where I am. I am the way. Your destination is the Father. Oh, isn't it awesome? You remember the story in Scripture where, where the disciples went out and they did great things. They cast out devils. They came back to Jesus. Jesus said, give me an update on the revival. 
He says, well, I'm going to tell you something. It was amazing. The blinded eyes were open. The lame walked. Even demons were subject to us in your name. They were looking for a pat on the back. Jesus said, rejoice not that demons are subject to you in my name, but rather rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Ultimately, what you need to care about is the destination and getting as many people in that car with you as possible. Here's something interesting about a do not enter sign. Say it loud one more time. Do not enter. See, what's interesting about a do not enter sign, watch this, is you will never see that sign in any place that is not trying to alert you of a one-way directional road. In other words, you will never see a do not enter sign I'm not talking about where it's split. Now, sometimes you'll see a do not enter sign on the opposite road on a four lane if there's a median in the road. But if you got a road going this way and a, two lanes, just I call it one lane, one lane road, you'll never see a do not enter sign on a one lane road unless you're pulling out into a directional that only traffic is supposed to go in one direction. What I'm trying to say is you'll see a do not enter sign at, at an exit ramp to keep you from going up and entering the exit ramp. Huh? It's always trying to keep you from going in the direction that everybody else is coming in the opposite direction towards you. It's not only a protectional sign for a protection sign for you, but it is a directional sign to make it easy for you to know on the road that God has got you on called the way. When God throws up a do not enter sign, you don't even need to try to figure out where that road is coming from because God is trying to tell you, don't even concern yourself. That is not the way. I saw the other day. A do not enter sign. I saw a do not enter sign, and this you'll usually see this on a four-lane road, like on Highway 75, in different places on Highway 75 going on the where it's got a, a huge median in the middle, and you got you know traffic on both sides, and then you got a a, a a middle lane there where people's coming across and turning and all this. You'll look up there in the opposite direction coming from Aniana, and you'll see a do not enter sign. Because it can be confusing sometimes if, you're, if you ain't never been there and you go across that middle of the road and all of a sudden it looks like the road you need to get on and a lot of people do that because they're not paying attention. But I saw one the other day that was like that. It wasn't on Highway 75. It had do not enter. I drove a little bit further. I looked over and it said do not enter on the same road. And then I drove a little bit further and it said wrong way. And I drove a little further, and a big giant said, turn around. And I laughed because I thought, why would somebody have to spend that much money in a tenth of a mile to have a do not enter sign, wrong way sign, turn around sign? It's the same reason your coffee cup at McDonald's says, caution, coffee may be hot. Because somebody got burned and sued so now they got to put that on every coffee cup somebody went up that road and and didn't didn't care about the do not enter sign it was just trucking up the road so somebody said you know what we got can i be real with y'all we got some idiots living up here so we need to make sure you know the next sign you're going to be able to see it's going to be like no i'm serious you're going to die that was hilarious to me but then I thought about the kingdom and I thought about how many times is that us? How many times is that us? What's that dude doing, man? He's, somebody needs to teach him how to drive. That one too. My God, he almost hit me trying to kill my family. I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. But you, you claiming everybody else is going the wrong way. And God is screaming at you going, you, have you not noticed that you're going straight head into traffic? You want to be blessed, but you want to do it your way. See, when you travel the road, as long as some of y'all travel the road and pass so many, do not enter, you're going to get pulled over. 
You either watch this. I'm gonna be real with you. You either gonna get pulled over or you gonna hurt somebody. That do not enter sign is not just for your protection. That do not enter sign is so that you won't hit somebody else that's going in the right direction. And your disobedience and your stubbornness is going to cause somebody else to have a wreck when they're trying to go the way God told them to go. But your gossiping tongue. Huh? You want to try to go talk about the preacher to somebody who's trying to serve God. Somebody who's trying a baby Christian. You want to try to tell them all oh, this ain't the way. You need to calm down, calm down. You know why people are not filled with the Holy Ghost in most Pentecostal churches the same day that they, they give their life to Jesus Christ? It's because the church tells them it's a two-step program. The church tries to calm them down. Now listen, it may not come right now. You're going to have to tarry in the altars for a little while. You just get saved now. Then you plug into the growth track and you just keep praying. Come to a couple of prayer meetings and you might get filled of the Holy Ghost. It's church people that are going in the wrong direction trying to take people out. It's trying to get everything that God wants to have for them. If God puts you on the road to salvation, he wants you filled with the Holy Ghost. He wants you speaking in other tongues. He wants you praying for the sick. He wants you laying hands on people and seeing them recover. He wants you moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Quit being the person that's going trying the opposite direction trying to derail somebody. Now, when you go in the right direction, now that's a wrong direction sign. How many knows there's only one of two directions you can be going in? The right direction or the wrong direction. So that's a sign to keep you away from the wrong direction. Can I get an amen? Well, here's the next sign to keep you on the right direction. No U-turn. Now watch this. Just like the do not enter sign is a sign trying to keep you, uh, correct your direction, the no U-turn sign is trying to keep you from quitting. God is trying to keep you today from throwing in the towel. Oh, I know you under attack. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's in your mind. I don't know what's happening in your family, in your marriage, in your finances. I can't begin to know what's tormenting you at night. But I can tell you this. If you're on the way, if you're in the road called the way, Jesus knows what's going on. And it's never his will for you to turn back. Oh, I thought I'd get a better shout than that. I said it's never his will for the child of God to turn back. Somebody say, I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. Oh, yeah, I'm moving forward. That's why I sang that song. Somebody shout, no U-turn in my life. See, some of y'all looking, y'all looking. You ever been behind that guy that... You're wondering how in the world he's on the road because he's constantly looking at everything going on beside him. My uncle, I used to work with, I worked 10 years with, hanging sheetrock. I'd ride with him. He'd pick up the crew. We'd, he was one of them. He's one of them. He, I mean, we'd all be in the car. He had a, one of them king cabs. There'd be seven or eight of us jammed up in there. He's talking to all of us, telling us about things, and he's looking at everywhere except the road. And it wasn't none of us living for Jesus, but we, I think we were still praying. Now, I love you, Pastor Frankie, my pastor. But if you ever ride with Pastor Frankie, you will find out how close you are to God. Because he's, he's like me. Now, I'm the same way. My wife would tell him the same way. When I get excited, I start talking about the Holy Ghost. He can't talk about the Holy Ghost forward. He got to look at you and tell you about the Holy Ghost while he's driving. I ain't going to say nothing about Jim Sher. But you will, you will... You will seek God and you will find him. But you know why people's always looking to the left and right? Because when you're on the way of salvation, if you're not careful, the devil will make you think that everybody on the left and right behind you's got it better than you. All the prettiest cars are on the side of the road. All the big stores are on the side of the road. All the, the money and all the fame and all the fortune seems like it's in your rearview mirror. Seems like you had to give up everything for God. It's what the devil will make you think. The old saying is, 
The grass is greener on the other side. Well, I got news for you. First of all, it's a mirage. Second of all, if it really is greener on the other side, it's because all that crap that somebody's been fertilizing it with. Huh? It might be the prettiest green grass you ever seen, but if you knew what they had to sprinkle on that grass to get it that way. What kind of church is this where the preacher says crap? You think that's something? This must be your first service. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 says this. Now it, has, it ha now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, watch this, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. In other words, I'll get on the road with you. And Jesus said to him, watch this, it's a curious response. Remember, they said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds have air, have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. They probably look at him going like, what? In other words, he says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to be with me no matter what I go through, no matter where I am. See, some of y'all think if, I if, I follow, if you follow me, that means you're going to live with me in a big, fine home. I'm going to give you the nicest car. But you said you're going to follow me. I'm going to tell you tonight I ain't got nowhere to sleep. You still want to follow me? Am I preaching right? Well, that ain't what the TV preacher said would happen if I followed you. I, the TV preacher said I'd get a Mercedes. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, watch what the guy said. Lord, let me first go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead. You just, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Amen. That sounded uncompassionate. Well, you don't care about my, my father just died? He didn't say that. He said, you need to understand what I'm talking about when I say follow me. Get in the kingdom car. Go preach the kingdom of God. Verse 61, another one spoke up and said, Lord, watch this, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who were at my house. But Jesus said to them, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Huh? Don't you begin to twist Jesus' words to say that he didn't care and he didn't want you to go spend time with your family if you lost someone. Don't twist his words to make you think that Jesus is trying to say that you are, if you're out there in the field and all of a sudden you decide to do something, you ain't even got to tell anybody you're leaving them. Just leave them. That ain't what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, you need to not filter that statement that you will follow me through a condition of something that is behind you. You can still go check on your parents. You can still go to the funeral. But yet not stay in the old ways and still follow me. See, Jesus was bold, but Jesus is a loving Jesus. But some people don't know how to handle it. And you'll hear people who are mainly atheists, agnostics, or even people that say they went to church at one time and then they just said, you know what, I had to renounce my faith because I started looking at things in Scripture. They'll quote things like this. What kind of God? What kind of God do I, do I want to serve somebody that'll tell somebody they don't even need to go back and bury their own father? What kind of God would I serve that would tell somebody, you can't even go back and tell your family bye? See, it's filtered. When you read scripture like that, you're filtering it through a fleshly mindset. They were speaking out of the flesh, but Jesus was trying to give them a spiritual principle. See, you might want to write this down. Everybody wants to follow Jesus until they see the road they must walk to follow him. 
Nobody won't say they want to follow Jesus until God reveals the road that they got to get on to follow him. Somebody say amen. See, let me ask you a question. If you're supposed to be somewhere, your family is waiting on you. It's, it's, it's 5 p.m. And your whole family is at a restaurant an hour away. And you're supposed to be there at 6.30. You left a little bit early. What you thought it was you, I'd get there and it'd take me an hour to get there. I got 30 minutes to spare. Well, you on that road, and all of a sudden, you come to a construction site. And you got to take a detour. Well, when you see that detour sign, do you, now listen, this is a word for somebody. Do you look at that detour sign and say, well, I got to take a detour. I guess I'm not going to eat tonight. No. You still know you got somewhere to go. So you take the detour. And you follow the detour, and all of a sudden now you're back on the main road. Everything's good. You check your time. I'm still good. You're still on the way. Somebody shout, I'm on the way. And all of a sudden you come to another section in the road. It is filled with giant potholes. Some of y'all been y'all drove through some potholes around here that feels like a sinkhole. And you realize there's so many of them, there's no way to get around them. And there's no detour. There's no side road. Your GPS is not giving you an alternate destination because your GPS can't see potholes. But they're right in front of you. So do you look at the potholes and say, well, I better call them and tell them I'm not coming to eat and turn around and go back home? No. You find a way to get through the potholes. Some of y'all see where I'm going. You find a way to stay on the road. Then why is it that we are more determined to find a way to get to a restaurant through every obstacle? We'll call ahead and say, hey, maybe run a little bit late. There's traffic on the road. There's a wreck, but I'm coming. But the first sign of a spiritual pothole, the first sign of some construction that God's trying to do in your life, you will see it as permission to go back to where you came from. You're going to have to understand if God put you in the car and put you on the road and didn't tell you to get off of it, he's Alpha and Omega. He's beginning and the end. He knows about every pothole. He knows about every construction site. He know, Are y'all hearing me? He puts you on a road knowing that was coming, knowing that those potholes are going to do something in you that you would have never let him do in you if, if you didn't have to slow down. Good preaching. Rebuking the potholes, but we forget the potholes that we're looking at is on the road that God put us on. Jesus told the disciples, listen, I need to go pray. I need to some time with my father. Standing on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, he said, I want you to get in the boat Go out into the water and watch what he says, and I will meet you on the other side. Now, now, so they heard that. They got in the boat. Woo-hoo. Yeah, bro. go ahead, Jesus. We want you to get rest. You deserve it. I mean, you've worked so hard. Oh, pray, Father, t- touch our leader. Touch our leader. Give him rest. Give him rest. Because it's all good anyway because he done said he's going to meet us on the other side. So we ain't got no issues, y'all. Let's chill. Let's get on the water and let's chill. 
So they're just floating along singing, look what the Lord has done. Woo! Look what the Lord has done. And the Bible says, when they got into the middle of the, of the ocean, when they got in the middle of the sea, a storm came up and the winds began to blow and the boat began to rock and water started coming in the boat. And all of a sudden, they no longer wanted Jesus to have his rest time with God. All of a sudden now, they just got through having a Messiah Appreciation Sunday, and they just got through sending him off on a trip, and all of a sudden now they're calling him on his cell phone saying, hey man, uh, Pastor, I know you, uh, Messiah, I know you're on your, on your getaway that we sent you on, but we've had an emergency. We need you to cut your vacation short and come back to us. Some of y'all, y'all hit a storm, and you don't even think you can ride the storm. You got to call your pastor, call some preacher to get you through it. When God said, get the oil bottle yourself, honey, and pray for your own kids. Quit getting mad at me because you can't get a hold of me to pray for your kids. Pray for your own kids. If you get me, I'll pray for them. But if you don't get me, you're in the car. You're in the same car I'm in. You're in the same boat I'm in. Am I preaching right? storm came up they started crying out we're going to die we're going to die we're going to die and all of a sudden these great faith men that was just singing look what the Lord has done is scared to death for their life and they start questioning God some of them are thinking about we need to abandon ship because this thing's going down if it goes down it's going to pull us down with us every man for himself I'm thankful that just before all that happened the Bible said one of them looked out and saw something. And this is wild. The Bible says they saw something in the storm and they thought it was a ghost or a spirit. They said, it's a spirit. It's a spirit. It's a ghost. And all of a sudden, in the midst of the waves, in the midst of the storm, Jesus comes walking on the water. Just, just I mean, not panicking, just walking on the water. And y'all know that story, don't you? As he's approaching they begin to realize it's him. And Peter says, it's the Lord. I think it's the Lord. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Oh, yeah, see, see, some of y'all want to have, you got to have a big old word, big old preaching. You got to have five points of the poem. Sometimes your whole life can be changed by one word. Jesus said, come. And Peter stepped out of that boat and began to walk on the water himself. Now, he's walking on the water, and the people in the boat are screaming at him instead of saying, my God, look at the miracle. They're screaming, Peter, you're going to drown. You can't do what you're doing. <laughs> Peter, do you understand you're walking on water? That's impossible. You are going to drown and die. I got one question for you. Where was all those voices coming from? trying to get him to go back to the boat instead of going to the way of Jesus, where Jesus was. And the Bible said, as long as he stayed looking at Jesus, he didn't care about the storms. He didn't care about nothing. The storms didn't mean nothing to him because he's walking on top of the storm. Until he made a decision to listen to what was behind him. And to listen to the questions of those that were not where he is. Because, see, you have a lot of prayer partners until your prayer gets answered. And if you're not careful, your intercession buddies that used to pray with you all night for a miracle, and you got your miracle, they didn't get their miracle yet, all of a sudden now they're jealous of you. Huh? Now, all of a sudden, you don't feel as welcome in their prayer meetings because you start trying to give the Lord praise and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. We're all happy for you. <laughs> Peter's walking on the water and rest of them, instead of rejoicing that he's doing something impossible, they start trying to remind him, you can't do that. It's impossible. You need to come back here where we are. We don't have the faith to go where you're at, so we're going to do the best we can to get you back with us. And the moment he listened to what was behind him, he took his eyes off. He made a U-turn in his spirit, man. 
and it began to sink. Thank God for the grace of God, even when we make mistakes. He said, Lord, save me. And Jesus, how, how about this? How about awesome? How awesome is this? I'm standing on this stage. If somebody's down there and I'm trying to pull them up, I got a lot of pressure I got to put on my leg, don't I? To, to pull them up. All the weight of that person I'm pulling it up is going on my lower body. If this is soft and this ain't stable, I'm going down there with them too. How I many of those ain't nothing stable about water? How about this? Jesus reaches down and takes a full grown man. Full pressure on the top of the water, and his foot never even sinks. It's like he's standing on a brick. And he pulls him up, sets him on top of the brick, and walks him back to the boat. Huh? Because a storm ain't nothing to God. I'm preaching good. But, but see, what my point is, he already knew about the storm when he told him to get in the boat. But what he wanted them to, 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 they failed it. But thank God, God's for failures, amen. Second chances, third chances, million chances. His perfect will was that he put them in the boat knowing the storm was coming, that they would praise him through the storm and still meet him on the other side because he didn't lie. He got in the boat with them and they all went to the other side. That was his permissive will. Because he was there, they called on him to save him, and he came. But sometimes God, he never leaves us nor forsakes us, but sometimes God will put a pothole in the road, a storm in the midst of our path in the boat, and he wants us to grow in God and to be able to praise him through the storm and not turn around and go back. Somebody said there's no plan B. And the last one. I was shocked that I was even able to find an actual sign. This means somebody just got mad and made their own sign because this is not a sign that you see. Uh, every, I've never seen one, but I found it online. Somebody just said, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm going to make a sign. And you can buy them. Flash it. Next sign. Use your turn signal. Now, all y'all shouting me down like y'all, I know all y'all don't use your turn signal. I've seen you turn into the church in front of me. Y'all shouting me, say it, pastor, say it, say it. Use your stinking blinker. Can I tell you something about using your blinker? It's just common decency. When you use your blinker, you're saying... I acknowledge it's not all about me. Amen. See, some of y'all convinced yourself, as long as you look in your mirrors, as long as you feel like you've got enough room, the role belongs to you. Now, let me tell you something. I've been doing this long enough to know you can know when somebody's about to do it by the way they speed up and slow down and speed up and slow down. And my wife will tell you, I like to uh, compete. I like, I like sometimes to try to make them be good drivers and Sandy be like, stop it. Slow down. Get off their tail. I'm not going to make them mad. They won't use their blinker. I know that, but you're about to kill us too. Say this with me. We are on the way. But we are not by ourselves. We're all on the same road. See, you, you hear me say this. You hear the preacher say this. And I believe you believe this. But I think you don't really realize fully what this means. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. When you say things like the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is not about you. It's about you impacting others. You'll shout me down on that. But you don't want nobody passing you. Hmm? You see them coming. I know some of y'all. They, they, they're a quarter mile behind you. And you're just driving along. You're driving the speed limit. And you see them pass two or three cars, and all of a sudden, 
you all got to speed up. Because by God, can I say that? You ain't going to be passed. They get up alongside of you, you speed up. And some of y'all take pride in not letting them get over, not letting them pass, not letting them do anything. Teach them a lesson. Say, I'm not on the road by myself. There are people all around you in the way. There are older drivers. There are seasoned drivers. There are young drivers who just got their license. You're driving next to careful ones. You're driving next to distracted ones. I taught my kids when they first started learning how to drive, you do what you're supposed to do, but you always are on the defensive. You're always looking for what somebody else is doing. You do what you're supposed to do, but that's not enough when you're on the roads out there because you're driving these thousands of pounds, passing something else that weighs thousands of pounds two feet from you. Nowadays, used to, the main thing we had to worry about, still have to worry about it, is drunk driving. But do you know more people are killed now by people texting than drunk driving? There are those that are driving around you in new cars, brand new believers. It's got good brakes. Some of y'all driving next to people in jalopies that's been hit by every attack known to man. And it looks like that, what's the name of that truck in, in that cartoon cars? Mater. Mater. Some of y'all, some of y'all putting along like Mater. Truck blowing smoke, rust, falling apart. Ain't got no power steering, ain't got no power brakes, got an AM radio. No air conditioning, but you on the road though. And you know what? Some of y'all want to discard them. Some of y'all want to throw them away. I've been preaching a lot about this here lately about churches doing away with the, with the seniors in the church. I don't know if y'all saw it. It was on the news this week. There was a church that said to the congregation, the only way we're ever going to grow is we literally said this. We need all the old people to leave. It was on the news. How many saw it? How many saw it? I'm not the only one that saw it. We need all you. We love y'all, but we need y'all to leave and find another church because we want to be relevant, so we need y'all to leave. That church is about to have the judgment of God on them. I'm not done. Well, I shouldn't have said that. I don't know, I don't know what, the, what was behind it. I don't want everyone to speak that, even though I disagree with that because I don't want to speak against another church. But here's the reality. Just because some truck is broke up and busted up and spitting out smoke and choking you, if he's on the road, we ought to be praying for him. We ought to be thankful for him. We ought to be glad that they're still on the way. In fact, if that truck could talk, he could tell you some stories that he had to go through to make way for you. That if he wouldn't even been on the way, you wouldn't even been able to drive your, drive your pretty little car. It's good preaching. The bleaker are the turn signal. Or as we call it, blanker. It is simply a tool to give others a heads up. It lets others know what your intentions are and gives them time to react. Oh, I'm preaching good. See, some folks have been wrecked on the way, not because of their driving, because somebody that they were following that they thought cared about them forgot all about the fact that somebody was following them and decided they's just going to do their own thing and came over on top of somebody else, drove them off the road, and they just kept on going. That one that was following you would have at least known what you were doing if you'd have been able to take the time to think of somebody else besides yourself and gave them a heads up. 
Because what kind of leader is a leader if nobody's following them? You're just taking a walk or you're just taking a drive in this sermon. If you're a leader, that means you're in the front of other cars who are watching you. Have you ever gone somewhere like to a concert or some kind of event and there was y'all met in the church parking lot and there's about 10 or 12 cars and you're going somewhere and really the only one that knows where you're going is the first car and everybody lines up behind them and they all say we're following you you're the lead car and everybody does good you pull out on highway 79 and everybody's beside behind each other we got the train going. And all of a sudden, if you're not careful, you'll get to talking, you'll get to doing your own thing, you'll turn the radio up and jamming, and you're in the lead car, and you done forgot about the 10th car who got caught by a red light, and you're trucking on down the road, and all of a sudden, you realize right before you get on the interstate, you look over the person next to you, hey, we got everybody with us? And they look back there, and they say, we ain't got nobody with us. Because you didn't give nobody a heads up. You ain't, think, you ain't looking in your mirror. You ain't slowing down. When it's time to turn in a turn lane, it's one of the things that drives me crazy. When I'm following a group of, of people that's supposed to be leading me down the road, and all of a sudden we're coming up on the turn, they don't use the turn signal. And we're all behind them. We're watching for a turn signal. Because when one turns their signal on, what happens to the next one? What happens to the next one? Because when everybody thinks about everybody behind them, that makes sure that everybody in the line knows where they're going. Look at your neighbor and tell him, just use your blanker. No, I said your blanker. I'm almost through. 1155. Watch this. I'm going to read in two different versions. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I was trying to find, God, I need a scripture about a blinker. Look here. Philippians 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. Y'all know this one. Always. Again, I say rejoice. Now watch this. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, that was great. I could have preached that, but I like what the New Living Translation says. It says, Always be full of the joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate. In all you do, remember the Lord is coming soon. Why did he say it that way? He said, you don't want the Lord to come back and stand before God thinking you are so proud of yourself how fast you got where you were going. And God says, well, before you go there, let me tell you about the people you ran off the road because you came over on them and didn't know, didn't let them know that you were coming over. My last point is this about blinkers, is this. This is pretty cool. Blinkers are a tool that is only used when you are going forward. You don't turn your blinker on to give somebody a heads up that you're backing up. Blinkers are tools to use when you're moving forward. And the last thing I want to tell you is this, and this is, this is a cool revelation. You're doing everything you're supposed to do. You're driving the speed limit. You're just looking forward. Every once in a while, checking that rearview mirror, but just so you know traffic, you ain't thinking about going backwards. You ain't making no wrong turns. You ain't, you're looking at the do not enter signs. You're saying, thank you, Jesus. I, I appreciate that. I ain't going that way. You're doing everything right. The Lord says, I need you to get over in this other lane. You're in the right lane. The Lord says, I need you to get over in the left lane because I need you. I'm going to promote you. still love that, brother, but I'm going to promote you. How many knows a good leader, a good spiritual father and son wants his children to go further than he ever went? I want my spiritual sons and daughters to pass me. So I'm not mad if I look over and I see my spiritual son going past me. I'm going to haunt the horn at him. Yeah. Go, man. So when I'm getting ready to be promoted, I'm driving. I turn my blinker on, look in the rearview mirror, see that car behind me. Look in my left mirror, look in my right mirror. Ah, just come on over. Wait a minute, is there something else I'm supposed to do? 
Oh, there's one more thing I'm supposed to do. Because it sounds like I did everything I'm supposed to do. And a lot of y'all will use your blinker, but you still don't do this because people don't teach this anymore. But I was taught this in driver's ed. You turn your blinker on, but then you look over your shoulders. But why do you look over your shoulder? Because everybody's got a what? Blind side. Blind spot. Everybody. That blind spot is the perfect spot depending on your vehicle that is just enough ahead of the back of your car and just enough behind the front of your car that you can't see it in your rear view mirror and you can't see it in your left mirror but he's right there and if you turned your blinker on and you did everything you're supposed to do if you don't look there how many's ever done that and as soon as you go back you hear a horn you go oh god I'm and you realize I didn't see them because you didn't take the time to look so I'm going to tell you take the time to keep going forward don't enter places that you ain't supposed to get off the road no U-turns no looking back turn your blinker on for those that are behind you to let them know and even those that are ahead of you because the blinker works for the one in front of you too because we look in our rearview mirror and we see that you're coming around us. We're prepared to let you come around us. You do all that and make sure right before you do it you're ready to be promoted that you look one more time and make sure there's nobody you're forgetting. Because there might be somebody right there with you that God wants to take with you. Or it might be that you think it's your time to be promoted you've done everything and you've been faithful the guy in front of you is ready for you to come around but that guy coming up in your blind spot God has said he wants you to he wants them to go just a little bit ahead of you and you're humble enough to see them keep your blinker on it's okay let them go past you and then come over that's the way the kingdom operates signs can we bow our heads Father we thank you for everything you've done in this service, everything you're doing in the hearts of men and women right now. If there's any person in here, a man or woman, young person, teenager, that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Maybe you've known him in the past, but you've chosen to walk away from your relationship with God and you want to be rededicated today. You need to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. You're ready for that. If that's you, while every head is bowed, can you raise your hand? Is there anybody? Thank you, son. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see it. Praise God. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Can the church just pray this with me and pray this? We had two people raise their hand. How many knows the Bible says we rejoice over one? But two people here today said, I need to get my life right with God. So let's pray together, can we? Everybody, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, Lord, Jesus, to forgive us of all of our sins. We confess you and you alone as our Savior today. From this day forward, we're in the way. We're on the way. Show us, God, how to stay faithful as your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, somebody say this for me. Lord, show me the signs to keep me going the way you want me to go. Amen.